Why in the VL with two subbies, stereotype with a huge intercooler Doing it right might be like I'm confused, what's the attraction? But some dudes just love to lose traction That cruise action, Saturday night, you can do it at the lights Or get in a fight right Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the car chat series This is episode 13, myself, Andrew Bogart and Justin, how are you going? Good, so how are you mate? Pretty good, keeping busy. Uh, a lot of good feedback on the last podcast with Boomer. So Everyone loves Boomer, so shout out to you, Boomer. Thanks for that one. Yeah, one of our, uh, if you haven't caught that uh, episode, it's the last one. It was episode 12. It was one of the, probably the biggest, when you when you count all time, how many HSV someone's owned, the biggest HSV collector in the world. Um, he's downsized a little bit significantly, but definitely a guy that's had his hands on pretty much every Holden or HSV model out there, which is um, pretty impressive episode, so check that one out. But um, what do we have this week? Let's wrap up the auctions and get started with that. Yeah, so um, I mean, looking through, I mean, there has been some, you know, few auctions that have gone, but a lot just getting passed in right now. So, um, you know, so Made One Sash had his SVO8 um, listed at one, and um, that was a graze, so that got passed in, and he's trying to sell that, which, which kind of gets onto the point of, I guess, a common trend and really noticing that if you have a modified car and you're trying to put it through an auction, I just don't think it's a path to take, so... You know, I'm sure that a lot out there, even my, even myself, I'm always looking. You know, what what workshops done that car? What's going on with it? Is someone trying to get rid of a problem? And you know, he's a he's a really good car. So it was an ex car of Boomers as well. That one, but um, yeah, it's uh, I think um, proofs in the pudding there. If it is heavily modified, stay clear of that and just try and venture down your own path with it. So I think um, you know, and, and even for buyers out there, I guess you know that is one of those buy beware. If you kind of know that a car is is standard, you tend to know what you're going to get yourself into compared to buying something that uh, is heavily modified. But um, And yeah. King GM as well. King GM. So my old car, that is for sale. So I think it's... Big asking price. 160 grand or something like that on that. So um, yeah, look, I mean, great car. So that was one that, yeah, did grand up build on that with um, mate Phil King and Jason uh, from LS1 Power. Um, yeah, multiple award-winning car. So it was a fun car, but... Um, yeah, I nearly fell over when I saw that listed for the, for that money. So. Still here, right, in Victoria? No, nah, it's up in Sydney now. Oh, so, is it? Yeah, Boomer bought that off me. Um, yeah. There, then he sold it to this guy who's uh, selling it now. So, yeah, look, it probably is worth half that in my eyes, but um, but I suppose the way things are... Parts alone in it Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you can kind of justify that kind of money for it, but it's just a matter of if you want that um, kind of car. So for me personally, I'd probably rather put that money into a, um, you know... HSV coupe or something like that, but you know, each to their own. Yeah, moved on from all the modified stuff now and tend to try and find the things that are going to make me money. But um, yeah, I guess the biggest standout auction was back in February. There was one at Burns and Co. So, and this was one auction that just absolutely fucking blew my mind. I sent a few of the listings to you that was going on there, and I just kind of had to double check on: did is this legit? Is this real? Like. One that was funny, it was a WB Kingswood um, Ute, 253, blue, like a little bit kind of rough looking, 331,000 Ks on the clock, $97,811 they went for. Why, an Elvis driver or something? Yeah, I don't know, like, I was, I was going, fucking what? I've double-checked the pictures, like, going, is there what something? am I missing? Yeah, yeah exactly. what am I missing? Is there something? Like, fucking hell. You know, that, um, yeah, it was just a big head, head scratch for me. Um Auto FPV GT R spec, um, 4,853 on the clock, so 131,880. Look, and they're, uh, you know, they're jumping up a fair bit now. I mean, probably 
about eight, nine months ago, you can find those for 70 to 90,000, like a real okay one, 90,000. So it's starting to creep up. Um, another head scratch for me was a 2016 VF Black Edition SSU uh, manual. Uh, 36,000 Ks on the clock went for 65,940. So that is fucking up there, you know, like for those kind of Ks. Um, stock bog car, yeah. Yeah. Um, Royal Purple XU1 Tirana, uh, 80,625 miles on the clock, pulled 291 grand, so fucking big money. Um, and a Falcon 500 GS Coupe, 145,000. Um, and this one was up there, was a black uh, HSV GDO 6-speed manual, 165,000 Ks on the, on the clock for 60,445. The GS, was that, was that restored or was that... Do you remember? No, it was um, all original. Yeah, so by memory on it, that was was all like detailed and all that underneath. Um, front half was painted, rear was um, original, so it was a bit of a mix. mix that's big like money that, for a GS. I mean, that, is, that yeah. straight away pushes up GTs to to two fifty three hundred at that point. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, so if you're looking at a GS for one hundred forty five k, you'd want to yeah. be. That's why I ask. You'd want to be a mint, fully restored rotisserie type. Uh, yeah. Restoration, but geez, it's yeah, crazy money. But the one wh- one I noticed that I picked up was uh, a one of a kind Holden that that was set to go under the hammer. That did go under the hammer. Yeah. Um, barn find, of course. Two uh, two kilometers on the clock. Two kilometers on the clock. VH nineteen seventy nine SLE. Yeah. It was a pro- it was basically the prototype or the initial build of, of what they wanted the car to look like. Yeah. Fake parts. Yeah. Hollow radio that doesn't work. A grill made of wood. Um, car has never been started or driven. What do you reckon that'll go for, Justin? Oh, look, I mean, I saw this hit news.com that are all like, other kind of outlets getting shared like crazy rare and I was just going shit, you know, thinking, man, it's, it is essentially an ornament, um, probably 60-something grand I thought it was going to go for, but fuck. $108,000. grand. And it's, that. you know, I, I get it. There was some collectors that were interviewed on, on that very telecast that said, you know, it's, about the nostalgia and and you put it in a museum and that kind of thing, but I mean, I struggle with the, I struggle with cars that I can't drive. I mean, yeah. I've, I've 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 always told you from day one, like if I can't drive the car and road reg it and, and and take it out and about, even if it's once a year, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, so this is yeah one that I would never want, but just a, a strange one, you know, a wood grill. So it, it does have some some history, um, mm. but it's. It's relatively. I don't even know about it. I, yeah. ne- I never heard about it, so it's not really that well known. So my concern with these kind of cars is, if you then want to go and on sell that, you got to find the specific right buyer. It's similar to concepts, right? Um, oh yeah, hands down. And um, you know, and I guess touching on Boomer before with um, downsizing his, you know, downsizing his collection, that was one of his biggest things. He just kind of got to the point going busy with kids and everything, yet I'm kind of going down there and just pretty much got cars sitting there in the corner that I can't drive. So it's either, come a nuisance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, hard one there, but, um, yeah, that fucking blew my mind. It really did. Yeah, so. that's just, that just sits on a, on a flatbed wherever it goes. So yeah, each um, their own. Yep. Onto some big money listings. So um, all had a bit of a giggle about some of these cars that got listed, but um, one guy on Facebook went on a bit of a tangent and it was kind of funny because he was like ripping into people going, if you're fucking junkie and things, don't message don't me. Don't message me, all this kind of stuff. So we're kind of having a bit of a laugh going, what's going on here? But anyway, um, he listed a VL Walkinshaw, 1,600 kilometres on the clock for a million bucks. Um, that was kind of one of those ones going, look, you can car, you know, part 
justify that money in some ways, you know, if it's ultra rare and things, but it is massive big money. Like regardless of the kilometres, I just think that's big, big money. For well, all. the last low kilometre was around that kilometres was the um, the auction up in, was that Albury or? Yeah, that one. Um, what was it called? I forgot the name, Italian name, right? But um, Yeah, the Delberto. Delberto, yeah, yeah. and, and that, that was around about the same kilometres. I think that got fours, didn't it? Yeah, it did. High um, threes, low fours, I think it went four. Um, and that was, that was three years ago now? Two years ago, it was before COVID. Yeah, it was before COVID. So, so yeah, there is a COVID tax, there is an inflation tax. He's probably he'd probably comfortably get seven, I reckon, six mm. or seven in today's market. Um, yeah. a million's asking a lot, but I hope he does because I own a walkie. So yeah, exactly um, right. So Neil's okay as well. So yeah, mm, that'll be good. Um, but uh, he's, he's also listed an auto VS GDS with eighty three thousand on the clock. How much do you reckon that's listed for, folks? Oh, mate. 30, 40, 50. <laughs> I know auto does auto, nah, uh, nah, nah. auto does kill that, but uh Nah, I'd say I'd say, you know, max. Probably hundred K. Yeah, I'd look I mean Max. Was, yeah. Like personal value on a, on one of those, I'd be saying that sixty, seventy if it's um, you know, you you would want, you know, leather, sunroof, probably cherry black, you know, they're Ticking it all, but the autos are let down. But um, I'm putting the Facebook tax on on my number, though. Yeah. Keeping that in mind, because the reason why you brought it up is I assume it's going to be a, a high number. Two hundred ninety nine thousand. <laughs> that, that's a piss take. Yeah, that Fuck. has to be a piss take. Did that say don't message me unless you got the cash? Oh, I did. So it did. <laughs> um, yeah. So that'll be sitting there for a fair while. But on to the next one was a SV eighty nine with fifty three thousand on the clock. You know, look that rare car. Nothing. Over the top, but it does have a little, little bit of a cool factor about it. But um, 140,000 he wants for that, so um, yeah, it's uh, problem with Facebook uh, is you never be sitting for a you while. never know if they're sold or not because the ad just disappears. Oh, exactly. At least car so, sales, you generally know when an ad goes down, it's been yeah, sold. And you, and you see it now that um, you know, I saw a guy listed stupid money for a WH Grange um, a few weeks ago, he had like 70 grand or something on this thing, and it had like you know, 190,000 on the clock. Um, and it was just like, come on, mate. Uh, but, you know, that's just how it is now. That's, there's some people just think, hey, I'll give it a shot, try it. And I guess people, you know, they list these cars and they think, well, hey, it's got a HSV badge. It's ultimately rare with that understanding, okay, so how many were built, what's rare colours, all the other factors that come into it. Um, and, yeah, sometimes people think, well, they're, Absolute run of the mill HSV is going to be worth the same as um, you know a one of fifty car or something. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's um, the way of it all now, and this is what's killing it. So it's just um, prices like this, and then some of the stupid prices for parts. You know, I saw some VX HSV headlight covers got listed the other day, just fucking headlight covers, and the guy put seventeen hundred dollars on. It. It's like, <laughs> right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, shit that we used to pull off cars and chuck them in the bin. So it's um, yeah. It seems like it's slowed down a little bit. Um, it seems like it has, and and it is evident. People back to work. I think people aren't on the internet as much at home buying. Yeah, exactly. And um, inflation. Yeah, mm. and just seeing things around now that um, I think yeah, all this yeah, major inflated prices and just people just absolutely taking the piss out of it, and and people are actually doing it. Like they're listing some of these cars for fucking just comic value now. They just kind of think, oh well, might as well have fun with it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, even in all the HSV groups, you know, it's it's dying right there now. So just even with photos of cars and things, it's just I think just everyone's kind of moving on, and and I'm seeing it more and more now. I'm seeing that um, 
guys who have sold their HSVs now, they're driving C63s and M3s and all that. That's becoming more and more common now. So I think that um, people who are passionate about these kind of cars who actually want to get out and drive them, well, then, yeah, going back to the old story of where to get parts, where do I get this, yeah. well, might as well drive something. Insurance, you know, insurance these days are getting cheaper on a bloody high-performance Euro than yeah. VS Clubby, so... Um, but yeah, on to, um, on to some news. So, did you see that um, big cargo ship? I did actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Break it down for us. So, um, yeah. So, cargo ship um, went down. So, it was two weeks smoldering in the Atlantic Ocean. So, but it was loaded with several thousand German automobiles. So, um, yeah, hurting like had Lamborghini Aventadors and things all on there. So. Um, not sure if it started by a um, battery fire on a Porsche Taycan or something like that. Who, know, who knows what uh, what happened there? But um, saying so, yeah, 563 units were en route to the um, United States there. So, but the funny thing is there is um, yeah with the the Lamborghini event it also apparently that production line was wrapped up, but they're going to have to fire it all back up again to kind of to cover um, all the lost cars that were out there. So it's. Um, that was an interesting one to watch there. So um, yeah, I was burning for a while too. I was I was watching it. Kind of heard about it and when it first broke and it was like, oh, it's a cargo ship with all these expensive cars. It's on fire and you thought, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then two weeks later, you heard it sunk. Yeah, exactly. Sunk and yeah, Audis and everything all on there. So and they do they do speculate that it was the lithium ion batteries, which is kind of interesting considering that the cars wouldn't have really been turned on. Yeah. So I, I assume some some salt, some direct sunlight, some heat, yeah, some hot, something. some cold, some hot, some cold it has triggered a, a spark and yeah. And got things going, but that's um, that's pretty concerning. Um, you know, when it comes to lithium ion, we've had these conversations before about how long that shit burns when it catches on fire. Oh, exactly. Fireys yeah. have no idea how to put it out. Yeah, and that's on an ocean. Yeah, right? and we, had, we had one down in was it Geelong um, that that burnt for days and days and days, and it's the same when um, there's car accidents with you know battery powered cars. Is fireys really struggle? You talk to fireys, they're like like we throw everything at it and the thing just. It, has a mind of its own, but once it burns out, it burns out. Like what we're throwing at it for the most part is just agitating it. So you know that's that's the one thing we got to think about with with the world moving to to, to lithium-ion batteries and battery-operated cars and being going battery-operated. Um, it can be it can have its hindrances as well, and that's one of them. Oh, exactly. And but I just think of the poor guys here. You know, you're waiting anywhere from eight to twelve months for a car now. <laughs> yeah, and then that should happen. Imagine getting that phone call going. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we should, we should jump on uh, car sales and check the pricing of Audis, Porsches, Bentleys and Lamborghinis because yeah. I assume on car sales they've probably gone up another 15%. As most oh, of, I would have done that straight away. 100%. <laughs> Within <laughs> a day, bang. Yeah. So, uh, cargo ship tax. But on to a car that I'm waiting for. So I was, went and ordered one straight away. So um, it was the... Uh, FOMO. Yeah, exactly. The brand new Ford Ranger Raptor. So um, fuck, I'm hanging for this. So... Um, Having one, it is dead set slow. Um, so the new one, um, I guess you're probably looking about a 70% power increase. So 292 kilowatts, 583 newton meters of torque from the three-liter twin-turbo V6 petrol. So um, the zero to 100 time in them and completely just smashed out of the water of the one now that I'm driving that probably does in about 11 seconds. They're saying the new one does in about six seconds. Um, and... They are absolutely, this is for you, Scott Newman. I know you hate that I tune things, but I can't wait to tune it <laughs> and see what it does. So, um, yeah, so I um, ordered a code orange one, um, which is a, yeah, which is a nice ready orangey colour. And, yeah, the screen's um, 
screen inside it. It's nearly the size of a fucking TV at home. So I'm mm. hanging for this. You going to order one, Bo? No, I'm not sure. I'm waiting to hear what's what's going on with the, uh, the F-150 Raptors. Yeah. Um, so anyone, any of our listeners that know anything, let me know. Um, tweet me or Justin or, or jump on the Facebook Rogue car chat page. But there were rumours that HSV potentially, or former HSV, whatever they call it now, Walk and Shore Performance, would... Um, Get the contract. Funnily enough, for the Ford F one fifty, they were in the mm-hmm. works for it um, to to bring them over, similar to what they're doing with the Silverados. Yep. Um, and it's kind of gone dead. I haven't heard much since mm-hmm. then. So, um, waiting to hear um, who's going to bring it out. It would be a, obviously be a third party here that can bring them out, and, and obviously you want someone here to bring them out because then it honors your warranty. Yeah. If I was to bring one out myself, convert it, you lose the mm-hmm. manufacturer's warranty, which you don't want to do with it. You know, a car like that, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, it's kind of gone dead. So I haven't really heard anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm hanging to get one of those. Um, and the backup for me will probably be the um, the Silverado, because yeah. um, I believe Paul Merritt just told us that um, the next the next series is, is upgraded interior on them. So I was waiting, for, I was waiting for one of those too. But it's yeah, with everything going on in the world, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime mm. soon. So if anyone's heard anything about the F one fifty Raptors coming out to Australia, I'd appreciate you let me know. Um, just so we can break it on this pod and, and I can just calm myself down and know because yeah. we're expecting it late this year. So that was my – that's why yeah. I got a I got a, a Ranger Raptor to just pivot for a year or so, um, yeah. just to lug some stuff around. We're moving houses and all that, so it just comes in handy. And then I was going to sell that and then move on to a yeah. to, to the bigger the bigger real thing. But, um, yeah, it's kind of died. Haven't heard anything. I suppose watch this space because you might end up um, in a new Ranger Raptor. Never know. <laughs> Hopefully I have a bit more room though I'm starting to cramp up on long trips Yeah I need that telescopic wheel That's what's killing me One thing with the Range Raptor um, For everybody out there Is the oil change procedures A bit of a interesting one um, I had a mechanic come out on site And just do it at my house I just needed an oil change Because um, I'd bought the car And he had it for a couple of thousand kilometres And I'm not sure about the exact history of it So I just thought it popped up I might as well do it Yeah you got to top those up as soon as you drain them. Yeah. Literally. Um, otherwise, compression, um, according to the mechanic, as soon as he rocked up and he's like, oh, shit, he's like, these are a pain in the ass. He goes, I can't I can't drain these and go and have a cigarette and a coffee and come back and then top them up. I have to I have to be attentive the whole time. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're going to have some issue, issues with your Fuck engine. Hell. So something that, that you need to know out there is the oil changes. Drop yeah. the oil, you top that thing straight back up because if you lose compression, you're in big, big trouble. I better book one in for a service, even though it's only due in a few months, but it's probably about a six-month wait for a service. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. The moment, so. Ford, what are you doing? Yeah. So I got, a, I got a certified mechanic to do my oil change. And the other thing he told me was I, we have huge issues with taking your oil change alert off. Mm. Uh, with these cars, the some reason Ford have made it very very tricky, where only the dealers have that key. He said, he said he can get about, you know, three or four out of twenty of them to take the light off. Yeah. Um, but generally, it doesn't work. He tried, didn't work. He goes, yeah, you got to take it into a Ford dealer to have them just take that light off. And that's yeah. that's that's and horrendous. that is that is a hard thing now. Like even you know that I think it was a mother-in-law's car. She's um, yeah, she's got a. She's got a care and just trying to book that in for a service. It was like a four-month wait and everything at the moment. And that is a problem that when you've got service lights and, you know, that they need their um, tech systems to remove all these lights and all the, do all their updates and everything. And then half the time, these yeah, good certified mechanics out there who can do the service promptly, 
Exactly, and that's what happened to me. I caught for it. Yeah, and that's the fucking problem. They gave me, they gave me. I think it was seven or eight weeks, yeah. um, an appointment, and basically laughed like, oh, yeah, no, you can't get in for a couple of months. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Okay, so I found a private one, and then now this happens. So Ford, yeah. Ford really need to change that. That's that's just embarrassing for a car that's yeah. you know, eighty to hundred thousand dollar car. Yeah. You hope on that new one that you ordered, you you don't have finicky issues like that. So now every time I turn my damn car on, it's about yeah. to change oil light pops up, but just something that, that Ford need to fix because that's. You know. I normally don't have the issue. I normally sell a car before the first service. <laughs> <laughs> God. So what else we got here? So breaking news, um, Sony and Honda. <laughs> I'm finding this quite interesting. So they're planning to form a new company to design and sell electric vehicles together. Wow. Why? Sony and Honda. Yeah. So what, it'll be an electric car with a massive subwoofer in the back or something? Like <laughs> yeah, what? Exactly. <laughs> So, um, yeah, selling the first EV vehicle in 2025, they're saying. So, Honda will manufacture the first model um, with the new company, handing the vehicles design, development and sales, and Sony will set to develop a mobility service platform. The partnership is intended to combine Honda's expertise in making and marketing cars with Sony's capabilities in image sensors, telecommunications, and entertainment. So you're probably right. Probably, um, yeah, that was all the tech. Obviously, yeah. all the tech, all the um, you know radar stuff. For you know, if you want to do the self-driving, all that kind of stuff, um, that makes sense. But it's just like I think they've missed the boat. 2025, like, yeah, they're going to be so far behind. Like everyone's already pretty far behind Tesla but now a lot of the Euros are catching up to Tesla Yeah, um, and then you've got you know Kia and all that are getting into that kind of stuff as well now like 2025 like yeah. you, you're already oh exactly you've yeah, missed the boat yeah. yeah but I think they, I think maybe they know that look we're going to become dinosaurs if we don't adapt so I, I get why but they're just going to be 1% market share always yeah um, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy one but yeah, it's it just is. getting crazy. Like, I mean, and you can already see now that the screens and everything is just going to be huge. That you just, pretty much they are turning into the ways of just having full wraparound screens. You know? Oh, at what point do we have cars with billboards on them? Yeah, exactly. This could be it. Sony yeah. could put put a billboard on, on some part of your car and then they pay you a – when we talked about that a number of mm. episodes ago where they, you drive down the street and they, they, do, they ads pop up on your, on your car and they pay you – X amount for you know for you to drive around. Who knows? I mean, yeah. but that's that's where it's all going. It's becoming so technological. But um, yeah, I'm not. I mean, it's just interesting. And, and you you bring up a valid point with with a friend of yours that was over in in the US. Yeah, exactly. So with um, the Tesla. So this is this is. I don't like these kind of stories because the precedent of what this can entail in the future with other things. Um, yeah. But, but go ahead. Yeah, so I had a mate of mine over in, um, he went over for SEMA and he's driving a Tesla Plaid around. So, look, I mean, for those out there that don't know, they're about 1,000 horsepower, but he was absolutely launching it everywhere and it uh, came up on the screen with like an abuse mode warning so that dropped the horsepower down. Um, so I just thought that, you know. How long for? So, it was like a oh, day or something or just what? Oh, I'm not sure the time in between, but he just said it came up. So I just thought it was quite interesting. So, but look, dropped it down to like he looked into it and apparently it drops it from 1,000 down to 600. So damn wrong, 600 horsepower yeah. is still a fair bit. But um, but it's just amazing the control that a manufacturer has in that way that they can do that and just pretty much just turn it off straight away. Where, where you know, and I'm pretty sure Bogues, you think the same guy, if I'm paying for a 1,000 horsepower car, I want fucking thousand horsepower when I want a thousand horsepower not for something to come over and just turn 
the power down on me. Yeah, it's just, it's just scary the fact that they can do that. Yeah. Via the, via the, I mean, it's obviously in the settings, so it's probably automated, but via yeah. the cloud and via, you know, whatever, yeah. they, they can just turn you off. They can, you know, there's, there's there's people out there that have theories that, like, you know, we're only going to be able to drive a certain amount of kilometres or miles yeah. in the future or you're going to have certain days you can't drive. And yeah. this this relays into that. They can oh, literally exactly. flick a switch and then, you you know, your yeah, e-car is great, but... Oh, I mean, and just think off the top of my head now, look, I know, I know I'm not sure. I mean, fine for anyone to tweet us or message us, um, you know, or Paul Merrick, you, you might know, but I don't know if that's something from like a dealership that because it could be a dealership owned car or a hire car that the power comes Possibly, from that, yeah. but it could be. Um, but Or if that just happens, if there's a certain, you're only allowed a certain amount of launches and that goes into that kind of abuse limp mode for a bit until it kind of resets and gets its charge settings and that back up. So I'm not sure. Interested to know. Mid-drive, or any... though, is interesting. That's what's interesting because you got usually most cars have like a valet key, right? Like yeah. I know the SRT8s had valet mode yeah. um, where you could put in your settings that you leave it at a valet oh, exactly. and you, you turn it down to like, you know, yeah. four cylinders basically just so I'd they can put it around. i fucking lose my shit. If I was out in my old pretty highway racing days going up and fucking down the bypass or something yeah. and I'm racing someone and going, oh, hang on, I'm just got to wait. You know, my car's just gone. <laughs> yeah. I'll turn it down to 600 horsepower for a bit. So just bear with me. We'll go grab yeah. a coffee. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just disconcerting to me. Like yeah. the, the fact that that technology is, it can be good and bad. And, and you know that there's going to be, there's going to be a government somewhere in the world. There's going to be someone eventually that's going to use it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that a million times over in history. So that's the only concern with this technology um, is it's not exactly you just filling up your car and you can drive and no mm. one really knows where you're going. You know, they can they can turn you off anywhere, you know, yeah, and right. that's a bit of a concern. But uh, we'll see how that all, that all goes. Good luck to good luck to Sony and Honda. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. I want to see how it looks too. I, I anticipate it won't look too good no. knowing, knowing Honda's last 10 years of making yeah, cars. Oh, exactly, yeah. So the next one, so um, it's been interesting around at the moment just seeing which car companies are making profits out there and what's going on because, you know, we're seeing that um, especially like Ford making money hand over fist with the um, the Ranger range and Kia with the carnivals. We've seen all those going through the roof, can't get hands on them. But uh, on to German uh, car giant Mercedes-Benz. So posted its weakest February sales in Australia in a decade. Um, yeah, so I guess um, following a switch to non-negotiable fixed prices, which we were talking about a while ago mm-hmm. with Honda doing that um, from the start of the year and ongoing stock shortages. So um, um, bound to happen. So um, official new car sales figures reported. Uh, and sold 1,245 cars and SUVs in February 22. So that's down 55.8% compared to the same time, of, um, yeah, same month in the prior year. So overall, um, yeah, the overall car market was up though 1.6%. So that's yeah, I think drop. it's I think it's stock. I, I think yeah. I think the fixed pricing. Yeah, I think that's going to have a small effect. I don't think people are going to people that want a Mercedes aren't going to walk in and be big time hagglers anyway. Um, and they're not going to walk out saying like, if you're walking to buy a Mercedes, if it's fixed price, at the end of the day, you're going to buy the Mercedes, right? I think it's yeah. I think stock shortages has really really hurt them. I think um, as we know, chip shortages, you know, screens, this that, a ship goes and catches on fire. Yeah. I think but that's the cause. Oh, exactly. And I think like anything that um, you know, my brother-in-law's been trying to just find a Mitsubishi Triton at the moment. So, but he's ringing around places and. Um, yeah, they're all saying the price is the price. We went into a couple of uh, Mitsubishi dealerships. Literally, no one's even coming up to serve. You know, to serve you, no one cares. So, I mean, if you want to buy it, you're going to be paying top dollar. Otherwise, jog on. If you want to wait eight months, ten months, 
and feel free to do so. And, and I think that's why now I reckon that, yeah, seeing skeleton staff now. Um, oh, it's horrible. I've walked through the dealerships um, yeah. over the last couple of months and yeah. it's bad, man. Mm. Like they, it's almost like they come out of a little rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. hey, oh, someone's in the, in the showroom. Yeah. Um, half of them don't even have cars in their showrooms or they have two-year-old stock in the showroom. Yeah. I spoke to a few dealers and they're like, mate, we just we don't, we don't can't even get stock to show customers. But yeah, the skeleton staff thing is, is interesting. I just wonder mm. if it pivots again then in five years. Like if everyone goes this non-negotiable fixed pricing shit, does then a dealer go, hey, let's be that negotiable? Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe you get all the business. If you, if, you mm. can, if you can sell 10x negotiable, then the next yeah. dealer who's selling only 10% yeah. of what you're selling, um, you still do all right. It is, it is interesting that... Um, you know, I wonder if it is going to venture the way kind of like Tesla. Like, I mean, um, you know, you go to, Ch- to Chadson Shopping Centre, there's a couple of Teslas just sitting on the floor. You pretty much just got to order online. It is what it is. And I just, fuck, I've got a heap of mates now that have bought a Tesla, haven't even test-driven one, wouldn't even know. They just think, oh, well, looks pretty good. Do, yeah. And that's just kind of the way it's all going now, I reckon, that... um. The touch and feel's gone, right? Yeah. Even with cars. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you walk in and ask for test drive, sometimes people look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, they won't even do them half the time. So it's it's definitely changing, but it'll, it'll, it'll it's cyclical in my opinion. It'll, it'll, it'll mm. continue to, to flip around. But I think with the way the world's going with subscription services, that's going to, that's going to rear its head into cars as, we, as we've spoken about numerous times. People yeah. won't own cars, they'll, they'll subscribe to cars and, have to basically be a timeshare, yeah. you know, where you're, yeah. you're 20 hours or whatever, you've got a week or whatever you need and you just pay a fee for that and then you don't deal with the insurance, you don't deal with the rego, it's all, all dealt with by the by the third-party company. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and with electric vehicles, knowing that you've just got one at any given time. You at your disposal, yeah. yeah it'll be, exactly. be basically like Uber. But, yeah. um, I mean, most, most young kids, like we said, they don't, they don't value a license anymore. So uh, most of the young kids coming up, they're all about Uber and, and you know, just being free and about and not having, not having anything that, you know, demands them to actually, you know, be disciplined with paying registration and insurance. They just like to be free, which is yeah. fine um, when you're when you're young. When you're young, um, but I think you know there comes a time where you, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to have freedom to jump in your own car. But mm. um, that's probably our older older get off my lawn type generation that where, yeah. it's, where it's really changing. It really is. It's just completely flipped. One more shock announcement of the weekend. Subaru pulled the plug on the next generation WRX STI performance sedan. Yeah, I know. So, um, oh, look, I mean, that I have kind of had this feeling for a while, just the way of seeing Subaru that um, I guess, I mean, they're, they're just moving away from that now that uh, I just think just the way they're, um, the Outback and the Forester and things has performed, it's becoming that brand that's, um, you know, you're seeing, you know, it, Let's be honest, how many times you see one around and it's got snow gear on the roof or yeah. a mountain bike and things. That's just the way that brand's heading now. So I reckon it's just um, – was bound to happen, but um, – It's the car. That's the car, though. I know. Like, that is like, the one. Um, I had a 2007 um, STI. Absolutely. Pink, wasn't it? I had pink. The STI was written in pink. The car's white. Used to pick on that all the time. But um, <laughs> no, I fucking Pink love fluffy dice. Yeah, absolutely love that car. Um but it's um, was really bound to happen. But look, let's be honest, I reckon probably we'll go all electric. They'll probably bring some batshit crazy weird looking thing, you know, out mm. in twenty twenty five or something. That'll well, be- what killed me with Subarus is like so when we grew up, um, even still today, everyone knew Subaru as oh Rexy WRX. Yeah. Oh look, you know, the, you know, the t- you know performance car, like really good. Mm. Um, what was it? What was the Cigarelli, all that, all the, yeah, the game. Yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Right? So then, like, the last 10 years, whenever I see people driving a Subaru, it's usually Sunday drivers. Yeah. 
and it used to shit me. I'm like, why did you buy? Why did you buy a Subaru if you're going to go ten under the speed limit? Why? Fucking buy an auto yeah, one. That still yeah. kills me. Regardless of why did you buy? I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if it's the wagon or whatever. Why did you buy a Subaru? Because because I'm just so ingrained on like Subaru performance car. Yeah, exactly. And you see families in them now. Or you see like you know an older person going ten under the. Ki- why did you buy a Subaru? What the fuck? Yeah. But you realize, like to your point, it's they've pivoted. They've slowly pivoted away anyway. Yeah away from the performance stuff and I guess it makes sense but um, it is sad to see them go they, they, they were really you know bang for buck car like oh, incredible just an amazing amazing car but that, that is one there because um, yeah because wife said to me she goes look oh, I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind one again like one that oh, we wow. used to have and, but looking around going fucking hell like to find Can't a find yeah to find one with like 80,000 k's or something on the clock now you're still people are asking 60, 70 grand for like a yeah. good 05 to 07. So and that's going to jump now. Yeah. I and mean, now this announced, I haven't checked um, car sales, but probably after that announcement, they're probably over 100 grand now. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Or they will be anyway yeah. in the long run, especially with parts and stuff become a bit more scarce. Your car, the Rivian, uh, merging electric ute market maker. You, you called this, though. You mm. said this was going to happen. Um, they found out making cars is hard. So the US-based EV startup has posted a fourth quarter loss of $3.4 billion due to production shortages, triggering a sharp fall in its share price. Remember that this was once climbing towards Tesla's share price. It was. Um, with no car produced at that point. We spoke about this yeah, five or six podcasts ago and yeah. I said this is just nonsense. Because yeah. I think, you know, te- you got people argue Tesla's overinflated. Yeah. Um, but they have a cult following and they actually have cars on the road. Mm. Rivian just came out of nowhere, bang, all the hype. Like, this, this is not sustainable. Like, mm. someone's going to lose, someone's going to be left holding the bag that's investing in the company. If you, you know, holding shares, this, that, you're, you're long on the company, you're going you're to be in some trouble. And I know I know some people were like, oh, what do you think about Rivian? Should we buy some shares? It's climbing. I'm like, they haven't put a car on the road yet. At least wait till something, because let's say they put a car on the road, he catches on fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. you just don't know, right? Um, and they still haven't put one on the road, and, and now we see their, their their share price is in a free for all, and and rightfully so. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be on the heels of Tesla. Mm. Um, not for three, four, five years. I need to see some, I need to see some product out there. I need to see you know get some get some points on the board, some runs on the board, and then prove to us that you're you're a, a, a valuable, legitimate player. Then yeah, your share price deserves yeah. to, to rise sky high. But this yeah, everyone. I think um, Stevie Wonder could see this coming eventually, and it's just a prime example of of how how, how crazy things are with the EV. You know, like like we said, Sony and Honda teaming up for oh, EVs. Everyone's jumping on the bag on, yeah. on the bandwagon because government's funding it, government's giving exemptions, tax exemptions. Everyone's trying to go green, but you know, it's it's just interesting now. Everyone's trying to jump on it, and everyone's trying to see it as a money maker. And you know, we just continue to see companies like Rivian pop up that, that have this new technology and it's hype and this and that and then, you know, I hope I hope this is the last one because it's it's not it's not not good for EV neither to have these kind of stories. Oh, exactly. And um look, I mean, yeah, I absolutely love um absolutely love their their pickup truck and hope it, looks it great. works out because I want to try and get my hands on one one day. But um yeah it's but that, they have some pretty cool um, features, like gadgetry shit in there. Oh, fucking oath, man. Like that barbecue thing that bloody, you know, that pulls out from the side and everything. Yeah, it's, they got some cool stuff. Yeah, so it is there's, damn there's cool. There's a YouTube video for people, so jump on, on YouTube and type it in. There's, there's a, there was a young lady that walked through um, all these different storage compartments. There was one, oh, exactly. one she could lie, lie yeah, in. That yeah, yeah, like you could lie in there. Near where, so. where, where the re, just in front of the, where the rear axle oh, would be. I thought that would be great, Fucking hell, like, have I mean, a snooze. where my two-year-old son is, geez, I'd love to shove him Strap in that compartment. Him in there. <laughs> but, yeah, um, pretty cool, though. Pretty cool, oh, guys. Oh, exactly, but still, you know, 
they're saying the Rangers got on it and zero to hundred in bloody five seconds. So it's um. Let's see it. Yeah, exactly. Fucking make that, <laughs> no, no, make that baby. No, we were just talking about it. Work. So a friend of mine, um, I don't know how I was talking to my wife and or my wife's friend actually at school, our friend, um, and at our kid's school said, oh, yeah, you know, we just sold our kid carnival for like way more than we paid. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, it was like two years old. I'm like, no way. Yeah. What do you mean it was two? Yeah, yeah, it had like 50, 60,000 Ks. We, we got more than we paid. So I get home, jump on car sales. I text you, go and have a look at the price of kid carnivals. This is the old model, yeah. the one that I've got um, before this, this new model. It's insane. Like it is insane. There's 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 some key carnivals for you know seventy eighty thousand uh, dollars mm. um, that were fifty five sixty grand brand new fully loaded that now are pulling you know twenty thirty percent over sticker with thirty forty thousand kilometers on it. It's it is insane. So I just could not believe it. I thought I thought they were, I thought they were taking the piss. I'm like yeah, they're taking the piss. You're taking the mm. piss. No way. When I looked at it, I'm like wow, because because they're twelve month wait now. Like we said a couple of weeks ago, they're twelve month wait. So now the second hand market's just yeah. gone gone through the roof. So hey, look. I'm- I'm trying to get my head around a lot of this, like even just with everything from like, um, you know, I was looking up, um, you know, just see do RXTX 300s, like, you know, one like, you know, I had one a couple of years ago and I think I paid like 24 for it, sort of for 18, but if I still had that now, I'd probably get 27 grand for it. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think with things like that, caravans, you know, guest jewel cabs and Kia carnivals, anything that is just that family fun you can just take away and enjoy the weekend because I reckon with borders being shut, not being able to go overseas, I think everyone's just like, hey, let's start getting outdoors and just getting active. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, being fucking locked up. Let's just live that life. And that has been a massive factor behind pushing all the prices of these and and, and plus chip shortages and wait times on all these um, kind of cars. But just touching back to, I think it was two podcasts ago, we were talking about going, you can pay overs but... I just have that in the back of my mind going, let's just say you pay 70 grand now with one with 50,000 Ks on the clock and then, you know, people are starting to go, you know, you can go to Bali now. So people's doing that instead of going down to bloody Torquay or something. Yeah. Once all that starts and then stock starts coming back in, then suddenly you're um, left with a massive shortfall. So what, what I'm really getting at is just people who are going to go out and finance this kind of stuff, just be fucking careful because that's the thing that, um, you know, I'd love to know for any brokers out there if you try and finance a Kia Carnival, if you try and do full tote on something that's probably books that say forty grand and you're going to be paying seventy grand for it, are finance companies allowing this to happen? That's I a don't big think so. question. Yeah, I don't think so. I think just that's the access to cash. I think people are getting. It's not so much that they're borrowing to, for the car; they're just drawing on their on their on their home mortgage and taking the cash out and then using it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, if we talk about inflation where things sit now, I mean, one thing I was actually thinking the other day is just I wonder how many people drew on their super. You know, if you've got – if you think about it, average household could have probably drawn 40 grand out. If you've done that, how many Australians <laughs> did that and splashed that 40 grand on – something on, silly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So 100%. injection of that cash into our economy – when's all that going to start dwindling down as well? So yeah. um, petrol prices around now sitting about $2.20. Well, shit, a lot that, of factors coming into for it. For some so. people that's, you know, that full tank is is a day's work. Yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. Or almost there, you know, like you're paying 120 130 mm. to fill up a car, a um, 60-litre car. Like, you know, that's that's three, four, five, six hours of a wage just to, oh. fill, just, just to fill up your car. Like, yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, last second, last one before we get to some questions. Um, dealer lowballers. So I've got a, I've got a few um, 
few cars for sales I've mentioned and I'm starting to really get agitated. So people out there that, are, that sell privately, mm-hmm. don't let these fuckers fatigue you. So I've, How many messages from a Sebastian S or a Sebastian R? Or and that's the thing. They, <laughs> what they do is they'll these dealers from Dealer X, let's yeah. just call them Dealer X, they'll set up five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different accounts um, with with ten different names and they'll all send you different numbers. They'll first send you their that number, which what, what they want to lowball you at. So if you've got a car for 100 grand, they'll send you, you know, all right, we'll give you 80K for it, no nonsense, I can pick it up, or they give this whole, you know, it's, it's hassle-free for you. And then you reject that. And then what they do is they start these other accounts and then they'll offer you 65 and 50 and 55 and, and 76. And, and they'll just, start, they'll try to fatigue you, fatigue you, fatigue you. And I'm noticing it more and more. Um, I think car sales need to do better. Like they need to, they need to figure out a system. Yeah, it now, it's hard, it's hard if they're registering new phone numbers. Yeah. But surely they've got some sort of some some. They need to put in some sort of technology, knowing you know where where, where, where the connection's coming from. Yeah, but I, I think it's just to the point, and we've called it out before. And the way I said that, you pay for privacy protect with car sales, like it's one of the options that you've yeah. got there. And I reckon if that's there, it's got to have a fucking screening service. It should have it that a that you should be able to um, just even opt going phone calls only. You yeah. know, like I'd tick that straight away for me going, like if someone's keen and serious, they're going to pick up the phone and call you, not send you fucking countless messages. Like, and that, that's just got to be number one. Or actually put it through like there should be, you know, even if you had that as a valet service, have someone at car sales can screen the calls and messages for you and then contact the seller. Yeah. I'd pay extra for that as well. Yeah. See if they've got the finances to buy the car. Yeah, exactly. Find out all the questions. Yeah, introductions of brokers or whatever they want to do through their network mm-hmm. and sort all that out. Um, but like I've put no dealers on the ad and they'll, yeah, still, they, they they'll, they'll still call and then yeah. I've, I've got auction houses that'll call um, and that that's all part of the process. It just becomes frustrating but they do it to, to wear average Joe's out. Um, yeah. I don't need to sell because the cars aren't on finance. They think they, they think the cars are on finance. That's one of the first things I'll say to you. Yeah, but they think it, they think it's on finance. Yeah. That's why I think they can just you know hold me out and pressure yeah. me, and then and then just slowly. Oh, send and, all these and knowing, I mean, that's one of my first questions. Um, you know, I've mentioned in previous pods about you know buying tips or straight away is a current finance. Yeah, it is. What's your power figure? Because you know that if the power, around there. yeah, if the power figure is one hundred grand, they're asking one hundred and twenty for the car. Well, then bingo. Like yeah. they need to clear it. And a lot of people just think, hey, if I Make get a little rid of this, yeah, if I get rid of this repayment. Cool. Yeah. That's all they think about. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it is hard out there at the moment. I don't know. It just absolutely does my head in with the amount of money it costs to sell via the car sales network, yeah, and then just having this, it, it's might as well list it on Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, because you get the same the same amount. That's what I mean. They just need to they need to do a little bit better um, and provide a bit of a better service there, car sales. So if you can introduce something, especially for. You know, there's, there's a lot of premium listings out there, um, oh, million exactly. dollar listings and, and five hundred thousand dollar listings that, yeah. that those people just get frustrated dealing with, with people that are just time wasters or all these dealers that strategically they look they're doing the right thing. I'm not, I'm not so much faulting them. They're doing they're trying to make their dealership or their their, their flipping service as much money as possible. They're trying to make their, oh, so they're doing what they can. Yeah, but there exactly, needs to be yeah. a process where it's like, hey, like we know we know your 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 account. You know, dealer X, mm-hmm. you've got five numbers registered that you're messaging the same person with, like, yeah. you know. And, that, and that's the thing, man. And it's harder now because, like, you know, the low stock out there at the moment, um, it's not just one dealer. You're just yeah. copying message after message with just stupid, insulting low balls. It's, um, like I said, tiring. Where's your thin makes the selling process terrible, um, which 
kills it. So Yeah, it does. But uh, that's just something you've got to deal with selling cars, but car sales definitely should make it a bit easier. Our, uh, a post by auto trade agents is an interesting one. Um, are you about to trade in your car or sell to an online valuation company? Stop. We handle the private sale of your car without you needing to lift a finger. Take the hassle out of advertising, time-wasting inspections and phone calls. You just can't take at inconvenient time. So exactly what we've been talking yeah. about. If your car doesn't sell for 15% more than trading, you pay nothing. We act on your behalf, offering a concierge service through the entire process from start to finish. Don't waste your time with car yards, private inspections, time wasters, and taking phone calls. Our service is risk-free. Click now, blah, 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 blah. But uh, auto trade agents... Interesting. Yeah, we should have come up with this idea after after what we've been dealing with. But mm. no, this is exactly what needs to happen. And um, yeah, that's the thing for the guys at car sales. I reckon that take this kind of concept and adapt it because that's the thing that I reckon you could do a um, bit of a premium service offering um, and do a similar kind of thing. So it's interesting. Fifteen percent more than trading. Yeah. There could be some dealers that start messing with them and offering higher trade-ins just to yeah. mess with them. But yeah, 15% is a nice, a nice little buffer there because that's usually what you get in the private market, yeah. right? Um, you can usually get 10, 15% more than what you're being offered um, yeah. for trade. So it's interesting they, they pulled that figure out. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if that if that takes off. I'd, I'd consider using it probably. Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, yeah, that that is a damn good concept. And so if they're well. saying they can get you over, you know, basically saying they can get you over 15% over trade and otherwise you pay nothing for the service, I'd be interested to see what, what paying nothing entails. Is there an admin service fee or is it strictly zero? Yeah. Um, because that, that'd be a, a service I would definitely consider. So Q&As, what do you got? All right. Um, okay, so first one here from Fabian. So thanks for sending this in. What do you guys think about Territory Turbos, F6X, etc. as collector cars? Um, interesting one. Um Guess I mean I've called out before. I'm putting it down to the all-time Aussie car that um, territory was my pick, but down as a collector car. Look, I think it has its bit of a cool factor about it. Um, but it's kind of like you know the HSV avalanches and things. I think that it was kind of unique at its time. Too many made um, too. Yeah, exactly. So the F6X is an interesting one. Um, you know, it's the FPV version. They have been listed for silly money. Um, is it worth it as a collector? Pro- look, Fabian, probably not. I just think it's a it's a cool, unique thing to have. Um, I've owned a couple of Territory Turbos, absolutely love them. But um, as a collector car, that's a, that's a no from me. And there's just not many SUVs that are collector cars. I mean, yeah. back in the day, Bronco, Broncos, yeah. um, you know, the, the old... Uh, not G-Wagons, what are they, the Discoveries, whatever they were? The, the yeah, but I guess kind of look into similar that um, I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day and it was about the Typhoon, which is like a GMC Typhoon or something. I forget what it was over in the States, but it's a similar kind of thing. So it was a um, six-cylinder turbo thing over there. At, um, you know, It's a little kind of um, SUV. And same kind of thing. So I think it's just got its cool factor. I reckon if you've got a big collection of cars and you've, um, you know, you've got 20 cars or something, you slot one of those things in there just as a bit of a talking piece. I think it's kind of got its cool factor about it. But There are yeah, some. Like some. There are some Land Cruisers back in the day. Yeah, yeah but, but think about it like even like your old Jeep SRT, if you kind of had that as a collector car, probably yeah. not. You know? but I, yeah, I just think people that go that for their weekend um, top down or go to the cafe car, it's generally a sports car. It's generally a muscle car with some rumble. It's just you never you never see someone having a 
But I don't know. You go to Brunswick now, you see those two door, Hipsters. those two door eighties brand. Yeah, I, I just, I still <laughs> think the majority aren't sitting with like an SRTA oh, exactly, as yeah. their as their sports car. They use yeah. it as their daily. Yeah. But as their as their weekend or their muscle car, their old school, it's generally a sedan. It's exactly. generally or a, yeah. or a coupe or a convertible or, or right. So I think um that's where SUVs for me struggle. But I think they're good cars though. I think they're, they're, oh, they're good bang for cool. buck. Especially yeah. if you've got a family. I'd, I'd I'd use those cars. I wouldn't I wouldn't park and stop. Oh, them, the, so. Exactly. And and that's how I'd see that as well going, I reckon just as a bunning strip kind of car if you've got one of those, especially if I can modify it and get some good power out of it. Mm-hmm. Damn cool, fun thing to have um, as a Bunnings run to go chuck some shit in the back. So have some fun with it, but um, wouldn't uh, collect in the store. Um, yeah. On to the next one here. So from Brad, um, it's probably one you can answer, Bogues, if you've been doubling this, but he's looking to import a GTR from Japan. So you boys imported a car before. Any tips? Yes. Whoever your importer is, Check their insurance is the first step because um, there are some absolute shonks out there and if there's damage on the water, they'll try to claim it's the shipping company's fault, um, blah, 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 blah. So generally, there's brokers that find you shipping containers, put them on a ship, they handle the, the XYZ and they, they can do door-to-door service. That's through a broker. Make sure that broker has insurance and that he's liable as well. They they are technically liable for the way the containers um Packed and unpacked, essentially. So packed at one end. If it's not packed properly, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have issues on the water. If it's moving around or there's loose items in there going through your windscreen, that'll be whoever you're using, whatever shipping company. So make sure their insurance is up to scratch and a good good policy and that they haven't had a shitload of claims that they've tried to get out of. Do your research on them. Um, and then at the other end, obviously in Australia at least, they, they have to meet um, customs um, and then un- unload with customs, and then they go through all the bullshit. But um, it is a, it is a bit of a tiresome process um, coming to Australia, like anything is. Um, it does take a long, long time. At times, they can hold it up for no reason at the docks. They can claim they're found as asbestos. They can claim there's dirt if you brought it from another country, and they got to spray it down. So there are some hidden costs along the way. I've had cars that needed to be sprayed with some some special chemical they have because there was a bit of dirt from Arizona or whatever it is. Right? They yeah. can just make shit up. Um, but there are some hidden costs. Sometimes times involved so just make sure you have um, a little bit of a, a buffer with your financing if you're on a budget you know let's say it costs you 4k to get it or 3k from japan um have another you know 1500 lying around just in case something yep. goes wrong but um yeah it can be a, an annoying process but yeah australia like everything um we get to tick a lot of boxes and dot a lot of i's and cross a lot of t's yeah. And the other probably thing I look into as well is um, just join some of the Facebook um, GDR groups. Um, there's plenty of those ones around, and just post up on there who's who's actually done that, who are the um, best companies to use. Um, just probably a side note: um, I had a mate bring a um, M3 in from the UK, so and in pricing everything up there, he paid an extra nineteen hundred dollars. Um, and got it flown out here instead of really? um, instead of shipped. What? It was only nineteen hundred dollars because there's um, room on a plane like the nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, the broker actually said, "Hey, I can make this happen." There's been a cancellation. Can pay wow. a difference on it. Instead so I thought of, um, 10, 20, 30 grand for a plane, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. So it's um, hmm. yeah, so it's probably worth just knowing who the main brokers are because that was a massive difference in wait time as well for him. So it was money well spent. Um, to do that, so um, yeah. The other thing I'd say as well, if you are, if there is any any valuable parts that can be easily removed, I would, t- I would take them off. Um, yep. I've done that before. 
Um, with the boss 429 especially, the steering wheel, for instance, is like, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand. Um, yeah. Very, very hard to find. Um, restored and new. So I took that off and just put a custom one on and then and then I actually brought that over in my suitcase um, yeah. just because you don't want these things damaged. Yeah. Gear knobs, just little finicky things in some of these old school cars where a park can cost you a shitload. Even window window winder knobs, take shit off. They can, you can carry with you easily. That's the other thing. But look, if it's just a... A, a GTR that needs a bit of work, then don't worry about it. If it's a mint car, um, that'd be my other recommendation. Is it just take some of that, take some of the parts off if you can. And I've done that before. So, but um, you are rolling the dice. Look, you, you. I've, I've sent cars everywhere, man. I sent, I sent, a, I sent my Shelby GT500 from the US to Croatia of all places. Now that was yeah. a, that was a story within itself. Like getting that, getting that thing home. You know, Croatia is not the most organised of places logistically with mm. with paperwork and all that. And they didn't know what the hell the car was. Why should we let it? Didn't have registration plate. I was driving around on US plates for three years, um, which was fine. Um, you can actually do that. Um, you just got to say that you've brought it over for a month or two to drive around yeah. Croatia, and they don't really care. But um, that was that was fun in itself getting pulled over with a, a Wisconsin <laughs> license plate <laughs> in Croatia. They had no idea what that was going on. But um, yeah, it, 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 you, you take some risk. Make sure you, just make sure you have the insurance. That's that's the, the most important thing. Cool. Um, it's the next one here from Liam. So love the episode with Boomer. Saw the video you guys posted of his cars and followed him on Instagram. Um, you guys didn't seem to give the concept coupe much love. Why is that? Um, so, yeah, so he'd be referring to the GDSR concept coupe that um, Boomer had. Um, and look, I mean, we have spoken about this car before, especially when it, um, you know, that was one that we kind of picked um, when that went um, to auction for, went for around about that half a mil. But look, I mean, the reason why, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love this coupe. It's a cool looking thing, very unique for its time. But I guess that when we, um, I guess our main love for cars is kind of ones that you can you can get in and drive, and and that is one there. Can't get it road registered. It is it is a race car. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong, cool. Love the look of the thing, but um, yeah, it's that that's just our opinion on it. That we um, we like the cars that you can go and you know drive it if you want to. Um, me personally, if I was going to be tying up in money, uh, if I was going to be tying up my money in a car, I wouldn't tie it up in a concept coupe. I'd probably try and you know. Find an ex, um, you know, an ex V8 supercar or something like that. If I wanted to have something that's just going to be track purpose and have a cool factor behind it, so that's just my. And they're specific. Yeah. I, I stay away from concepts. Um, I, I love muscle cars, but I also love the fact that I don't want to lose money. Um, I, I think with concepts, you're a very specific target market. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas if you have, you know, a, like a a Brock Blue Mini or you have a a GTHO Phase Three, they're known yeah. commodities. People know yeah, you're about always those. Cars. Have that collected and even people that aren't huge rev heads know what a Blue Mini is. Yeah. Um, they're just kind of half car fans. Oh, I want to buy a muscle car. I remember that blue one from back in the day that Brock and they. Yeah. Whereas these yeah. concepts, no one really knows much about them. Exactly. The real purists do, and that's really kind of putting your your target market to sell that one day. Yeah. Now, if you're going to buy this and keep it forever, different story. Yeah. But I always look to, to the future in case I'm going to sell and, and and I just wasn't a fan of concepts. I was a fan of cars that were mass produced but then the yeah. rare one of that mass produced. So a W1, for instance. Yep. You know, they're mass produced cars but then they were modified a little bit um, in the W1 form away from the GTS and, and that's what I look for. So I've, I've never really been a fan of concepts, concepts for that very reason. There is some history there. They're cool but... I want I want something that's somewhat still known in case that, that doomsday comes where I need to I need to sell it and flip it and, and get yep. my money back. 
Bang on. Um, question in from um, Maynard from Atlanta um, over in the States. So, Andrew, big fan of yours and got to meet you after the game when you played for Utah. So it would be the Utah Utes back in your college days, so not the Jazz for anyone who's going to be picking out, um, my NBA knowledge apart. Um, question, what was your first muscle car you bought when you hit that NBA money? 1970. Valiant Pacer Coupe. That was yep. my first one in Australia. Um, and I think I've told this story before, but I, I, I hadn't – I knew the premise of driving manual, never driven a manual car because yep. I'd left I left Australia at a very young age, went left Melbourne at least, went to Canberra, um, the AS for two years at 16, 17, 18, and then went to um, Utah and, and – just never learnt on a. We, we had we had auto cars that I could fit in back then. We, otherwise, it was a Hyundai Excel, and then loved this car. Part of it was the Wog Boy, you know that theme. Yep. Put some fluffy dice on. It was in, in the movie, so ended up finding one. It was for sale. It was in Dufton of all places. Um, went and bought it. Couldn't pick it up because I couldn't drive manual. Um, well, I hadn't driven manual at the time, and then that that definitely is not a car you want to learn to drive manual on because yeah. it was it was a tough car to drive manual. Um, you know, old school and. I think it was three on the tree at that point. No, it was three on, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had to get my dad to come pick it up for me, drive it home. Mm-hmm. And then I literally learned manual within a day of that because it just pissed me off because I was like, fuck. So then I got my sister to bring her car. Um, took me literally an, less than an hour. Like it's, it's pretty pretty basic if you're a car guy, but I just never actually had, got the fuel right. And then that was it. And then it was actually cool because then I spent all my learner hours in, on a – on a Valiant Pacer, which drives like shit. Um, and it really taught me how to drive really well. So that was my first one. In the US, it was a um, Pontiac GTO, which would have been a HSV GTO, Pontiac GTO, and a late model 06, a brand new one um, yeah. when I got drafted. So they were the first two, but the, the Pacer was definitely one that that um, sticks out. Guess what What was the first car you bought over in the States? Like, I suppose... Did you have a run around in your college days, or did? No. Nah, well, yeah. In, in in college, I bought a Pontiac um, Pontiac Grand Am um, okay. from a teammate of mine. For I think it was my grandma got, got part of a divorce settlement, which took 20, 30 years from Croatia from from my grandfather, um, who she divorced many many moons ago. Finally, got that the settlement about some property over there or some shit. Oh, who knows? The wogs, you just never know. But anyway. Um, and yeah, she she gave my sister and I like four or five grand each Australian. So yeah. that ended up being twenty eight hundred USD at that time. It was almost fifty percent. And my teammate Nick Jacobson um, sold me his Grand Am for I think twenty five hundred. Yeah. Um, and it was purple. Um, had a sunroof though. Um, but that thing was because it snowed in Utah and it was front wheel drive. It was it was it was tough. It was a tough car to drive. Um, drove it around without a license for about three months, um, drove it in to get my license, <laughs> drove myself down unlicensed to get my license at the Utah DMV, got my license, got my test. The, the, the girl's like, okay, you can go and get whoever's picking you up. You can let them know. I'm like, I don't know, I've got a car here. And she's kind of looking like, well, how do you have a car? How the hell do you have a car here? And just jumped in my car and drove back <laughs> um, on a budget. But that was my first car. And um, yeah, I, I, I think I had six, 700 bucks left over. And I put like some rims on it and tinted the windows and just absolute dickhead, idiot, um, biggest waste of money ever. But it was my first baby, my first car. I wanted to make it look good, and I yeah. thought I thought I was balling in it, but I definitely wasn't. Oh, it's gold. Yeah. So that's that. 
All right, next one. Um, hey, Justin, you said you turn over cars heaps. Why is that? Um, and it seems you like um, you like to buy new. So wouldn't you be tearing up lots of money doing this? Seems silly, um, if you ask me, from Jerry. Um, oh, look, I mean, I have touched on this a bit before, but it's about buying and selling at the right time. So I guess when it goes to buying new, um, I'll always crunch hard if I do buy brand new from a dealership or my main method, I try and find a car that's probably around that six to 12 months old that's already taken a little bit of a hit, still low kilometres, still plenty of warranty left and everything, whereas I can buy it, really hit it hard, drive it for a period of time and still sell it within the warranty period because when you do take a bath on a car is once the warranty is expired. So um, let's just say a car's got three-year warranty. That's what I tend to try and find it. I'm buying it within its first year drive it within its second year, then I'll still sell it with a year left of, of the warranty. So that's been the sweet spot. Um, that's where I like to just turn them over um, and been doing that for absolute years. I've never taken a massive hit on a car. So, um, you know, worst case for me, to be honest, I've broken even. So it's, um, that, that's just my method behind it. Um, Especially whereas, now, it's easier to do now I, with the new cars right now. Yeah. But yeah, back in the day, mm. um, definitely not the smartest thing to buy brand new, but it's all yeah. timing. But right now is actually a good time or would have been a good time two years ago to buy a new and, and sit on it and you, you get your money oh, back right now. Exactly. But, but I mean, I, I just said the people are silly that just kind of have that mentality of, well, I'll just buy the car and run it into the ground. And if you do that and you you know you are holding on to it, if the car's got three-year warranty and you're racking up a heap, heap of Ks and... That's where you will take a massive hit, Jerry. So, um, yeah, that's that's my method behind it. it I works. think it's two years generally. If you're gonna, if you're going to buy new, you yeah. g- generally try to get rid of it eighteen yeah. months to two years, while yeah. it's still got about a year's warranty left, and yeah. you can still get some good money for it. Beyond oh. beyond that, it's, that, this is Euro luxury anyway, yeah. um, high end Euro cars. But yeah, you got to be you got to be careful. Look, I mean, some people like the new smell, new car smell. I would, yeah, I, would, I don't mind under five thousand Ks and getting yeah, a exactly. nice discount. I, yeah. I definitely don't mind doing yeah. that. I'm I'm, like, and I'm always like that. I mean, if I go to a dealership, I'll always go, what demos have you got? More than anything, I'll always try and look for a demo that um, does have that one 2,000k on the clock that I can, you know, get them to try and take 10 grand off the price of a new one. So still getting that same experience. But um, but the other thing as well is just with a lot of these cars, the way the technology is and everything, I just, I'm not a fan of keeping cars outside of that warranty. So Yeah, I mean, same. Like, well, especially like, like, like we said, that those Euro, those Euro cars uh, had a Range Rover a couple of years ago. And yeah. We were talking about the airbags start going on those. Oh, and yeah, you're looking 10, at a sh- 10 grand a corner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's that's what you got to factor in. I mean, I've got the money to do it, but I'm not an idiot. And, yeah. I, and you know some of these cars can get finicky after after two or three years. Um, so you're better off. I mean, that's why, you know, no offense to people that do it, but you look at people that buy, you know, four or five-year-old high-end sports cars mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm going to be a baller and get a Bentley, but it's out of warranty. Yeah. And they learn the hard way. Oh, exactly. And they buy it just to, you know, look, I've got a Bentley, the, like the V12, for instance. Mm. I got it for, you know, this, this thing was four or 500 grand brand new. I got it for 180 and it's like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, you, yeah. you lose a valve or you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, exactly, you, you yeah. know, like it's, it's, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand invoice yeah. um, if you can find the parts. So that's what you get to look at as well. But that's why I try to, I try to stay in the, the two year, two years sweet spot for me. Good. Um, last one here. So, hey lads, if you had to choose between a HSV Coupe 4 and a HSV GDS Coupe, what would be your pick from Andy? Well, it depends. It depends what you want. Um, for me, I'm biased. I got a Coupe Four. I'd go the Coupe Four just 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 because of the history of it. It's it's a rare car. It's it's the only Australian made 
coupe all-wheel drive, all right? Drive. Yeah, it in, is. In yeah. history of Australian motoring. So there's yeah. some history there. It's not the fastest thing. It's actually a straight line pig. It's, it's very, very slow, very, very clunky in the straight line. But where you see its value is if you go up in the hills or you, you, you anywhere in twisties or turns, that thing is unbelievable. Just traction in the grip. Yeah. Um, but if you want a straight line car, something that's much faster, a bit more muscly, mm-hmm. then you go to the GTS. But for me, I'll, I think, you know, from scarcity, I think the Coupe 4 um, long term will just be, we'll look back and say, shit, like the fact that we build that on Australian that soil was, damn cool. yeah. was really cool. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I do kind of put those into complete, you know, if like that's in a perfect world, you really want both of them because they, you know, yeah, they are both coupes, but they are completely different cars. Um, I've had um, a GDS coupe before um, out of Series 2 VY. Um, damn cool things, um, especially, you know, you get your hands on a manual one. You know, that's the thing. It's a complete different drive experience. You've got the coupe 4, which is auto only, or, you know, all-wheel drive versus the 300 kilowatt Callaway. Get your hands on a manual. Um, yeah, it's a thing like Bogus is just saying, complete different drive experience. Me personally, I still like the GDS coupe, just having the, I guess, the whole um, history behind the GTS name. I just think it's cool. We just think back to the, um, you know, the, the GDS Monaro, um, you know, I guess it's just had that flow and effect name. You know, I guess if you're going to have it parked there as, um, as a bit of that collector car, having that name is a cool thing. But then um, that's the thing that if you look at the engineering advancement, it's a thing to have a, hang a hat on with um, the cool factor of the Coupe 4. So I guess, look, I'll probably put, a bit, put it down to what you um, what you like. I mean, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, yeah, both cool. Both cool, yep. Mm. So yeah, um, story time. What do you got? Um, one, um, yeah, look, I was chatting to, chatting to this guy the other day and it just kind of got me thinking that one of my mates that I went and looked at a car for him. So this is a, oh, probably four years ago now, five years ago, but um, I went out to um, went out to the northern suburbs of Melbourne to go have a look at a VX, um, HSV VX R8 for a mate of mine um, up in Queensland. So... He came across this thing, uh, was listed on Facebook, I think it was at the time. So it was just, um, yeah, it was cheap, 14800 for a red manual, yeah, six-speed manual VX R8. Wasn't bad, so I thought, yeah, go go out and check it out for him. So 221000 on the clock. Yeah, 221000 yeah. k on the clock, which, you know, for the time then, you know, a few guys were picking up cars anywhere between ten and 12000 So that's, that was just the market back then, but thought... You know what, Coulson's, sunroof, six-speed. Parts alone. T- yeah, exactly, ticks the boxes. So went around the car, looked at it and just gone, shit, okay, it's fucking got harrops on it, you know, new HSV floor mats, got HSV toolkit in it. It's a damn solid car. So kind of gone around it going, yeah, kind of played it down that I didn't know too much about them, just kind of looking around as, as I do, just shrug and don't really say too much, look around, walk away, make a phone call. Um, you know, went back. Give you thirteen, you know, like um, yeah. Went went back at the time, so yeah. Sorry, the time he goes, I oh, Lois Hill goes thirteen, and you know, negotiated. At the end of the, end of the day, got it twelve gram. So pretty good to get that from fourteen eight down to twelve. Pretty good deal. Um, got the numbers. Quickly made a call to made at HSV. Checked out. Gone cool. Um, definitely option with Harrops and things. Um, 
No, because the photos at the time, remember this car were terrible. You couldn't really tell like if it had Harrops on it or anything and the photos listed. And it only had like a stupid front shot because I had some other HSVs and that at the time. It was kind of parked in the back corner, but you could see a few things that it had. But anyway, I said, yeah, cool. Um, give us half an hour. I'll go and get some cash for it. And they said, nah, um, got a few things to sort out. Just give us a few days, which I kind of thought was weird because fucking anyone wants, you know, money straight up. Right? Well, you got to sort out, but... Um, anyway, he's the owner. He goes, yeah, no, just busy with a few things. And um, uh, and I'm like, all right, okay, all right, um, whatever. So give him a call the next day. He goes, still not ready yet. Anyway, anyway, two days later, he goes, yeah, cool, it's ready. So I've gone back out there um, to get the car and I'm like looking around, gone, the hell? Like I was looking inside it and thinking, fuck, okay, um, change the floor mats. That's a bit weird. <laughs> And then I stood back and going, the fuck, the Harrops are gone on the car. And I look and it just had the, like the twin pot um, PBR ones, the it's red like ones, this, and yeah. I've just gone, okay. And then I've quickly looked around and I've just gone, okay, books are there. Um, but the toolkit's gone. And I turned around and I said, what's going on here? But the thing is the guy who was there now was the brother. So he was just there to like just collect the money because, you know, his brother was at work, the guy who had the car, and I'm just going, well, fucking hell, like this had harps and things on it. And he goes, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, the, you fucking change the brakes, man. Like, you know, the four-pot, you know, Harrop HSV mm. brakes are gone. The you more expensive put, brakes. Yeah, exactly. You put the twin pots on it. Like, what's going on? And the, the toolkit is gone. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, he's just kind of all playing all down. He goes, I'll call my brother. And he goes, oh... I didn't say it came with the Harrops. I've gone, but the fucking car was option with the Harrops. And when I looked at the car, it had Harrops. That's the deal we've done on it. And he goes, oh, but the photos I put up, I didn't have anything saying that it came with Harrops. And I've gone, yeah, I get that you fucking had some shitty photos and I get that, but when I looked at the car and we negotiated the price, the car's fucking is what it is. If you're going to fucking shit off the car, but first, then list your car. Yeah, yeah. Not fucking dumb. Yeah. And he's so he's like, oh, he's getting all shit. He goes, oh, fucking don't worry about it then. And then he's like ringing back and he goes, oh, look, I'll do – he goes, I'll do it for 15.5 with the Harrops and line on it. And I'm going, well, fuck, you can't. At that point, you just walk away. Yeah. So I'm just going, oh, fuck this. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was an interesting one because, yeah, um, bit Put of a story. Down. So, Did you have a deposit down? Yeah, 500 bucks. Yeah, gave, gave, gave him the time. yeah. Yeah, brother yeah, gave it back. So got all that all sorted, but I just thought, fucking hell, man, that was just shady as. But, um, yeah, to list a car like that, go look at it. And must say this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, yeah, seen it countless times before. So um, now it's kind of to the point that, yeah, you got to take photos or anything. I think it's just an important thing to pretty much, yeah, if you see rare shit, especially the prices of like Harrops and, you know, these HSV toolkits, people are asking over a fucking grand for them now. Um, yeah, just make sure if you do see anything like that, cover your ass and just make sure you say, hey, does it come with this? Does it come with this? Does it come with this? Everything, if you see any bits and pieces. I mean, brakes, you would assume <laughs> they're going to stay in a car, but floor mats and toolkits, double check. Yeah, small things for sure. Yeah. Um, especially most of us that, that are in the scene, sometimes, you know, the cars are picked up sight unseen. Well, sight, they're, they're inspected, but then... You know, you got to organise transport two or three days later and get it on a truck. Oh, exactly. Actually, that is one thing with it. If you do ever see, because um, that has happened to me before. I've, I've, 
had a cast sent on, um, yeah, just through Siva or something like Siva or Patrick's, one of the ones um, whereas I actually had. So the toolkit, when I talk about it, is in VTs and VXs. There's a little console lid and in there it has like um, a torch, um, the um, center cap um, remover is in there. It's also got a tire pressure gauge and it's got a little HSV knife. So um, if you are ever selling a car and you, you're on a seller, um, try and remove those items for it and post it um, to your potential buyer um, because, yeah, like I said, I have had things like that disappear Um through the transport period, whereas the transport company will turn around and go, don't know what you're talking about, but then the genuine seller is saying, no, that was in the car, um, which they might have swiped it, could happen, but you start getting to the point of who knows and you can out, never yeah. point the finger of who's, who ripped off all the stuff out of the car. So, yeah. It's like the movie The Big Steel. Exactly. You seen that? Yeah, have yeah, you? Yeah, good movie. Good, yeah. good old, school, old school flick. Anyway, that wraps up episode 13 of The Car Chat. Thanks everyone for joining us. Give us a share. Tell everyone about it. Um, we're getting good numbers on these, you know, getting 10,000 odd listens um, per episode, which is sensational. So we appreciate everyone joining these and still not many car podcasts out there just shoot the shit like us, like us morons. Um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate the support. Cool. Thanks, guys.